Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. Americans don't like waiting. We're accustomed to quick solutions so we can get on with our lives, so we can turn the page, that we can uh, improve our lives. Uh, We're ready to move from struggles on to blessings. Why is this taking so long, we might question. Or uh, from restrictions to freedom. Uh, We had that back during the COVID time. When will we get to be together? We're thankful that we can be. Uh, From despair to hope. We long for that change. We long for the positive. How appropriate that today is the first Sunday of Advent, a season meant to turn the page of our thoughts from uh, the darkness to the light, to turn our thoughts from just the life now to thinking ahead to the future. Advent means coming, coming. The advent of something is the Uh, appearance of it, the coming. The first advent is thinking of Jesus' birth, uh, and that's what we celebrate on December 25th, the birth of Jesus. And so a part of advent is helping us to be focused spiritually to know that the greatest gift of Christmas is Jesus himself. Uh, So remembering the first advent, but also advent, meaning coming, is looking ahead, and we're to look ahead. We're to be remembering that the story's not over. Jesus is coming again. That's the promise of Scripture. That's the hope that we have. Jesus is coming again, and the Advent is to help us to be prepared, help us to be looking forward, uh, helping us even, I've told you about driving my bus and seeing the sun rising in the morning. When I see the sun and the sky so beautiful, I think, oh, this could be a great day. For Jesus to come back. Uh, We're to always be looking with anticipation, and Advent is to help us with that. So our Christmas Advent season is two-pronged. We remember the coming of Jesus that first time. uh, As the angel proclaimed, do not be afraid, uh, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then secondly, the second prong is that preparation for Jesus coming again. Acts 1.11, this Jesus who has just been taken from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Jesus is coming again. The message of Jesus, the message of Christmas, the second coming, all that, a message of hope. A message of hope that we who live in an increasingly dark season, need to embrace again. Isaiah 9-2, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. On those who live in a dark land, the light will shine. The message of Jesus is a light that breaks into the darkness of a world that is dominated by sin, suffering, and destruction. Today's promise of hope comes from a dark period in the history of the chosen people of God, the people of promise, the children of Israel. Let's turn in our Bibles to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. 
As we turn there, I want to share some background information. Isaiah lived approximately 700 years before Jesus was born. So 700 years before Jesus was born, God the Holy Spirit touched Isaiah and gave him words to share that would come down through the centuries, through the millennia to us. Pointing to the Messiah. Pointing to the one who would be born to die on the cross as the suffering servant who would also then come again. Isaiah has both the first coming and the second coming of Jesus in the prophecies that he shares uh, during that time. But 700 years after he says this, they're waiting, waiting. When will this happen? And 700 years is an awful long time to wait. I think three minutes is a long time to wait. 700 years, uh, that's more than my lifetime, right? Uh, I'm not that old. Yes, the people of Isaiah's day were living in the traditions of their faith. Uh, They loosely followed the Jewish traditions of worship and sacrifice. But they also dedicated themselves to following the religious beliefs and practices of the culture that surrounded them. Uh, They wanted to compromise so that they could get along, so they could live at peace. And they uh, followed the popular practices of their surrounding culture. Over and over, Isaiah warned them of impending judgment because of their sinful hearts and practices. But then what became characteristic of Isaiah's prophecies is that soon after, he would share something about hope. On the heels of the warnings, Isaiah sparked flames of hope, pointing the people back to God and to God's promised Messiah. So some 700 years before the birth of Jesus, Isaiah was foretelling his birth. Even though the worst days for Israel was still to come, in Isaiah's lifetime, the northern kingdom fell, the northern kingdom of Israel fell and were sent into exile. Uh, then uh, he, he knew about the coming uh, exile of Judah into Babylonian captivity, that 70-year exile. Uh, and then after all of that, there would come a 300-year period which uh, theologians call the intertestamental period, meaning the time between the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, there's a 300-year gap. Silence. It felt like divine silence, as if God was not acting anymore. And they waited and waited. Could this be the day? And they kept waiting and waiting. Isaiah's prophecies of hope tell us something about the heart of God. Even in the midst of judgment and waiting, God does not neglect or forget his people. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 1. We're going to read verses 14 and 15. We'll pause and then we'll come to some more verses. God is speaking through Isaiah to Israel, and he says, Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. That's not very pleasant. 
Not very hopeful, is it? I mean, he's letting them know what's going on. You're going through all these rituals. You're doing all these things, but it just disgusts me. Your hands are covered with blood. In the words of the Lord here, we sense the darkness in the hearts of the people. Even though they continue to perform their obligatory uh, sacrifices and services, their religious duties, those duties were ineffective because of the darkness of their hearts. He says, your hands are covered with blood. The people of God must follow God with their hearts and their behaviors. We cannot live in or practice sin and still expect the blessing of God. How we live makes a difference. And our faith should change who we are on the inside and the outside. And as Isaiah does so frequently, he paints a dark, dismal picture followed by a message of redemption and hope. So we go on with verse 16. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. They, though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Now, you probably recognize that last portion. Though your sins be as scarlet, yet they shall be as white as snow. But it's in this context where he's pointed out the darkness of their hearts and calls on them to repent, to turn from the darkness and instead to wash themselves, to wash their hearts. Uh, Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean, he says in verse 16. Before the priests would go to offer sacrifices, they would go through a very careful process of ceremonial washing. Uh, There were special labors and things that were there for the cleansing of the priest before he would go into the next place to offer the sacrifices. They were uh, washing away the remnants of the fallen world and its sinfulness. Now, this was a very important practice, and it was a reminder to the priest and to the people of the holiness of God. But a little water on the outside can't touch the heart. A heart that is living in rebellion and sin isn't changed just by washing our hands. Here, God, through Isaiah, is calling for the people to not only wash clean their hands, but also to clean their hearts. God was not calling the people to just look good on the outside, you know, dress up for what you're about to do. But he was saying, care for your heart, your heart condition. He says, take your evil deeds out of my sight. I don't want to see that anymore. In other words, repent and renounce the deeds of your past and present. He says, stop doing evil. Cease doing evil. Not just for today as you practice your religious duties, as you're going through the motions, but also for tomorrow and for the next day. No Sunday go to meeting behavior. It's got to be, this is the characteristic of our lives as we give ourselves for God. In an environment that was characterized by evil deeds, God was calling them to practice things that are pleasing to God. Even though there's pressures all around to do the wrong, we are to do the right. 
because of our heart for God. Verse 17 says, learn to do good. Learn to do. It seems to express that this would involve a change of thinking, a change of attitude toward others. And I want you to notice that in the items that follow that phrase, learn to do, it's all related to our relationships with other people. He says, seek justice. Now today, perhaps more than ever before in our lifetimes, we recognize that justice has to do with the proper treatment of all people. Uh, People uh, of different nationalities, people of different races, uh, especially those who are in disadvantaged positions. He says, reprove the ruthless or the oppressors. So take a stand against those who oppress or take advantage of others. Defend the orphans, those who can't stand up for themselves, those who were often mistreated by their society. Plead, he says, for the widow. In their very strict patriarchal society, the widows were often victimized and could not find relief or justice from the male-dominated legal and social system. For us today, Isaiah's words are a reminder that life and faith are not just about us. True faith impacts our relationships with the people around us. God intends our faith to touch and make a difference in the lives of others, to improve the lives of others. It is this faith heart of service that often puts Christians at the forefront of caring occupations. Uh, When uh, I was already involved in ministry, but I took some graduate classes at the University of Pittsburgh, and the focus was on uh, special education. So, And the one class that I took, which was just a general introductory class on special education, uh, the professor started asking us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves. It was a class of about 15. uh, And tell us about yourself and why you're interested in special education. And I was thrilled to hear uh, over and over, uh, at least two-thirds of the students were there because they wanted to Uh, express God's love by helping others uh, and that they were involved in churches. Uh, So it seems that God had laid on their hearts a desire to help others. That seems to be a proper uh, part of our faith. Our faith is to make our hearts to be caring for others. And it, it seems to show in those caring practices Our church mission statement on the back of the bulletin says, together we will pursue people with the love and hope of Jesus Christ, beginning in Union Township. People, people matter. God gives us a heart to care for others, to seek justice, to do good, to care for others. Isaiah calls on the people to turn from their sin and learn to do good, and then lights a candle of sorts that points them ahead to God's promise of hope, the promised Messiah, the Christ, whom we know to be Jesus. In verse 18, come now, let us reason together. Listen again to God's gracious invitation. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. 
This is an amazing invitation of hope, an invitation to the people of Isaiah's day who already we've learned there's a real darkness that is invading their hearts, but it's an invitation to them to be cleansed and to come to the light. It's an invitation that is given to their generation and through them to our generation that we can come and be cleansed in our hearts through the precious blood of Jesus and that we can then have a heart that is transformed for others. An old gospel song comes to mind. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? I did think I might try to sing that for you, but I'm not a soloist, so we, we passed it. You're welcome. <laughs> Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Uh, here again, that gracious invitation. Come now and let us reason together. Let's talk about this. Even though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. One commentary said that in the Hebrew language, the word for scarlet indicates something that is double dyed, meaning that uh, that color is put in so well that it's to be permanent. Yet, even though their sin was deep and had stained their hearts so terribly, their hearts would become as white as snow. This is a picture of incredible grace and complete forgiveness. Though red like crimson, they will be like wool. Wool that is undyed, white, and pure. This is the promise of God. Amen. But how can this be when our hearts are so marred, darkened, and stained by sin? The promise points forward to the Messiah, Jesus. Jesus is our hope. He is our hope for forgiveness. He is the hope for relationships with others. He is our hope for life. Isaiah 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born. Isaiah 11, verse 1. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse, and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. Isaiah 53, verse 6. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. The iniquity of us all. Our evil, our sin, would fall on him who is the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world. Luke 2, verses 10 and 11. I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Today, the first Sunday of Advent, the Sunday of hope, the Sunday of prophecy, the Sunday uh, in which we use Isaiah as the prophet. Jesus is our hope. He is our light in the darkness. He is our Savior who sacrifices Himself. He is our Lord who leads us, who loves us. Do you know Him? Jesus is your hope.